This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... Welcome out to Champions. Use your friends, drop in your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you hammer, and I mean absolutely hammer, the like and subscribe buttons. As we get stuck into the Champions League round of 16 ties, second legs. We wrap it up for this week in the House of Champions. Today, we've got Nigel Rio Coker. There's Michael LaHood and Jonathan Johnson all the way from Paris. JJ, I'll start with you. What's up, man? Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, could be better from a, from a PSG point of view. But no, otherwise, uh, looking forward to, uh, to a holiday and some time off uh, from you guys and, uh, and also from the team that regularly makes me suffer around this time of year. <laughs> Yeah, you're not the only one that needs a holiday or a vacation away from Nigel Rio Coker. Speaking of Nigel Rio Coker, how are you doing, mate? Ian, back at you, mate. There's something not quite right at Bayern Munich. Bear in mind, they've gone eight wins uh, clean. Wait, eight wins straight uh, uh, in Champions League, undefeated. But there's something not quite right there. But yeah, we listen to you. <laughs> Sounds like you need a vacation as well, Nigel, right there. Either that or you've already got stuck into the bevies. Michael Lloyd, how are you doing, buddy? Games today, not necessarily the yeah. best of action. Um, I was a bit disappointed, and we were talking about it before jumping on the show. A bit of a letdown in terms of the action we were hoping for, but just kind of want to get stuck into this one because PSG, Bayern are the talking point. Yep, let's get stuck into it today. Bayern Munich got the victory over Paris Saint-Germain. Um, really great finish from Chupo Muting, 61 minutes in, 17th goal across all competitions. Four in his last four games consecutively, fourth Champions League goal of the season. Um, may I say he was probably assisted by Verratti right there. Mistakes, JJ costing Paris Saint-Germain in this competition again. Serge Gnabry came off the bench and wrapped things up. Uh, second Champions League goal of the season for him. Also got nine in the Champions League. Another sub, Jao Cancelo with the assist right there. 
Um, but I guess the big talking point will be that first half performance and the opportunity that was thrown away, JJ, by Paris Saint-Germain. Vitinha with an open goal. Great, great defending from Delit. There's no doubt about it. it was good defending. But PSG had their chances in that first half to make this a really interesting tie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Vitinha will be kicking himself. Galtier will be disappointed as well. <clears throat> I mean, I do think uh, sort of before we get into the nitty gritty, there was an element of uh, misfortune. I mean, I guess you could say in many ways, Galtier knew he was gambling with Marquinhos. Uh, he had trouble during the warm up. But then again, knowing that Mukiele was also carrying an injury, putting him on instead of Bichiabu, uh, you know, that was also uh, a risk. So you could say that there's bad luck that PSG got so many injuries in such a short space of time, given that they already had a few players missing. But equally at the same time, I mean, it was... Despite that, PSG still had enough quality uh, available to them to, to put in a better performance. Obviously, if Vitinha scores that goal, you know, then maybe things change. But really, uh, you know, I don't think uh, it was the, the right approach from Galtier. I think he showed his inexperience uh, sort of in this kind of caliber of, of Champions League game. Uh, you know, and I think there were too many passengers uh, in that PSG team as well. I include Lionel Messi in that. What I will say as well is Bayern Munich uh, absolutely deserved to advance over the two legs of thought their setup for the second game was very impressive. I thought De Ligt, uh, you know, really impressed me and won uh, some points because I haven't always been convinced by him uh, since he moved from Ajax to Juve and then to Bayern. Uh, but I thought Upamecano uh, had a big game as well. Zoma actually was sort of uncharacteristically a bit, a bit suspect. Uh, you know, Donnarumma made a couple of good saves as well, but then had his his sketchy moments. But really, uh, you know, this was uh, an opportunity missed for PSG. And, you know, it feels like it's got to be the end of the road now for some of these uh, players. You know, you'd expect the likes of Messi, Ramos to move on. The one thing that I actually would say, though, is of all the players at PSG, I thought I'd be hammering tonight. I actually thought Ramos was pretty much the best player for PSG. I thought he yep. showed, uh, you know, great... Uh, uh, you know, leadership in a very difficult moment, had a couple of good headers from the corner as well. It's it, Honestly, it's very disheartening, I think, you know, covering PSG, uh, you know, in such depth and then seeing them produce that kind of thing. Uh, uh, you know, and I, th I think there are reasons to feel optimistic for the future if one knows how good Kylian Mbappe is and can still be. Warren Zaire Emery as well looked very energetic when he came on, very lively a player to watch for the future. But ultimately... Uh, you know, it really feels like PSG never really got going in this tie, let alone the match. Yeah, I feel like we've seen this script before, and this was probably the poorest iteration of it. This is what happens in the pits and the perils that come when you have your team built around two superstars, two individuals who on their day, especially the last two or three weeks, have been lighting it up in Liga, lighting it up. And this was supposed to be tipped to be the heavyweight matchup. And PSG were tipped to give maybe a bit of the first punch in what could have been a knockout blow, but it was much ado about nothing from Lionel Messi. And I'd love to see the stats on Lionel Messi's recent record against Bayern Munich. They seem to have the experience of how to play against him. I thought that Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, the ground they covered to squeeze the space on Messi and back press and also get up and force turnovers in PSG half, or half that you have to tip your cap off to them. That's just a tactical recognition on where the most dangerous player and most creative player for PSG is because you have to get the ball to kill an Mbappe. And Ian, you had said this about the high line that Bayern were playing in the early minutes of that game. Bayern did well to adjust to it because if you can snuff out the supply line to kill an Mbappe, you suffocate PSG. Did it in the second half. Yeah, go ahead, Nigel. I'm going to be very vague on it because Michael and JJ have touched on the, most of the technical aspect of it. Let's just put it, say what it is. 
the better team won. And I use the word team to emphasize that a lot. Bayern Munich are a team. PSG have some individual stars, some difference makers. But in the modern game of football, if your difference makers don't compete and don't work hard, you've got no chance of winning at this level now because every player is so athletically gifted. Messi, for me, was not interested. He looked like a Lionel Messi that has his head somewhere else completely, whether it's negotiations for where his future is going to be. He wasn't interested because we've seen Messi play. When he wants to play... Or is he just getting old, Nigel? Is he just he's getting not old? getting old. He, he's still got it in the bag. He wants. He just doesn't want... He just wasn't interested in the game today. Hold on, my son's causing a bit of a pain outside. You're but fine. yeah, he didn't want well, to play. Because you're talking crap about his favourite player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, he wasn't interested because we've seen at times where Messi wants the ball. He will go and get the ball and he'll run and face people and run through three or four people. Half the time he was walking. I spoke to Ian, in a, well, spoke to Ian briefly about it. Bayern played such a high line and I thought the difference that could be made was the fact of Paris Saint-Germain had the luxury of Mbappe to go in behind. All they have to do with the right ball and the right pass in the right moment Killing Mbappe could get in behind that high back line. They didn't play to that. Everyone wants to play football. For me, look at the subs that Bayern Munich were able to make. When you talk about Sane, Mane, Gnabry, Cancelo comes on and then all, all of a sudden already has an assist by coming onto the pitch. That's the difference between having a team dynamic and a bunch of individuals to try and win something. And I think, again, it goes about when we talk about institutions. And I've been a big fan of Bayern Munich. I know Ian has been a bit of a Bayern hater. There's not some, there's something not quite right at Bayern, but they've won every single game in the Champions League so far, eight undefeated, I believe. And there's something very right about Bayern Munich when it comes to this competition, the standards and what's expected. And for me... Can they win it, Nigel? I, I said that they could win it. I said it from the start when we used to talk. You used to mock me. They're yep. not going to get out their group. They got out their group. Look at that team performance and team dynamic. Look at the subs that they have. Look at how they play. Musiala, for me, I'm going to give a special shout out to one player, Alfonso Davis. I forgot how good this young man was. He was sensational today. And we talk about top fullbacks, top wingbacks. If you're not saying Alfonso Davis's name in world football, of him being one of the top and best fullbacks in world football, then you know nothing about the game. Because how he played today, for me, he was sensational. And he, for me, is one of the players in this CONCACAF region with potential that could actually be World Player of the Year one day. He's got the most ability I've seen from this region. He certainly so the con is that the CONCACAF region that uh, produced uh, Mike LaHood's Austin FC that got <laughs> spanked by the, those part-timers? He is certainly <laughs> oh, a, a raw individual when you look at Alfonso Davies and the way that he performs right there. And I th I, I, to be honest with you, to back you up there, Nigel, I don't think he knows himself how good he actually is, Alfonso Davies. And at times... What I'm waiting for him is I'm waiting for him to be a bit more selfish because he has these 1v1 situations. And a lot of the time he's looking for Muller, he's looking for Kimmich, and he's looking inside to see where Chupomoting is. And I'm waiting for him to just absolutely burn Hakimi. I thought the battle, especially in the first half, was really fun to watch because Hakimi was going forward. And in the second half, credit to Hakimi, obviously a lot going on off the field for him. Um, in the second half, he, he went and played and he, he was one good outlet for PSG, but he was probably the only good outlet for PSG in that second half. But I'll so Davies handled it so, so well and offensively, always a good outlet, always dangerous. I would love to see him be a bit more selfish because I think there's more goals, there's more assists to come from Alfonso Davies going forward. Go ahead, Nigel. You know, Ian, like you said there, and I think he's got the ability. He's got the footballing brain. He's got everything. What he needs to have, like you said, is that belief in himself where it's, it's arrogance. He's got to start yeah. to see himself now to say, I am one of the best fullbacks in world football. 
Hakimi has it. You could see Hakimi has it, but I feel for me, Alfonso Davis in that position is one of the players in world football who can impact a game beyond anything. We talk about Reese James, you talk about Hakimi. Alfonso Davis's name should be up there. And I personally believe he could be one of the players that has the potential from this region to be world player of the, of the year one day. Wow, those are those are bold words, and he could very well back that up, Nige. But I want to go to the middle of the park and really higher up the field. I said it previewing this game. Who did I say was going to make a difference? Keep on thing. Thank you. It just had to be. Eric Maxime Chupamoting. So much has been said about who's going to fill the goal void of Robert Lewandowski. And he's done it in a different way. He's done it in crucial matches. But you look at how he plays. He does the simple things well. He stays between the two center backs or three for PSG today, typically two for most opposing teams. And he knows that he's in a team that if he makes smart runs, if he plays off the shoulders of defenders, he will get the right service. And he did. And you couldn't miss that one. If he did, he'd go back to Stoke. You know what, as well, what's funny, uh, there's a, a good stat out there. Five of Bayern's last six goals against PSG, because they have come up against each other fairly regularly over the last couple of years, scored by ex-PSG players. chupo has got three of them now. Coman's got two of them. Yeah. yeah. Mad I mean, that's, that's incredible, right? Five of the last six. I mean, that's insane. But some, something else that I wanted to say as well, uh, and I don't think he gets the credit because obviously he's not established yet as a regular starter for Bayern. I was really impressed with Stanisic. I thought PSG would target him, go for him, get through him and, you know, find a way to, to Bayern's goal uh, that way. They didn't, uh, you know, and I think he really shut down, uh, you know, PSG on that left hand side, because at the end of the day, we were talking earlier about how Hakimi was one of the better outlets for a very poor PSG side, PSG side on the night without being able to get Nuno Mendes into the game as they were the first leg. You know, I thought that that was a really, really important touch, a uh, tactical touch by Nagelsmann and one that yeah. he deserves credit for because not many managers would be prepared to sort of risk their reputation on Stanisic because let's not forget, you know, if Nagelsmann and Bayern had gone out at this stage, there would have been massive question marks about Nagelsmann's ability at this level. Hey, no, you got anything to yeah, I was just going to say to JJ, I was having a discussion with someone, I said, for me, when you look at the, the youngsters that Paris Saint-Germain have, they have something special. They've made mistakes in the past because, again, the, the quick turnaround of managers, the expectancy that's been put on these managers, some managers might not like a player and they've sold so many, like you said, talented ex-Paris Saint-Germain players. Imagine if they actually did a project where they kept these young players together and made this team, Mbappe's team, with some of the young talent they have, get them the experience, they could be a force down the line if they stop this turnaround. I was, I'm very impressed with Mendes, already the fullback for them. And the young lad that came on, number 33. Um, Zaire yeah, yeah, he had an absolute instant impact already in the game. You'd have been better off starting him than Lionel Messi. He just looked like he wasn't interested. No. If, and You'd be better off with him than Verratti. Yeah, but yeah. exactly. But then I think, I know people <laughs> yeah, I like, think it's oh, a no, fair you know. shout. And I respect what Messi's done and everything like that. But at the end of the day, if you're a Paris Saint-Germain fan, you have the right to be upset. Yes, you've got one of the world's greatest players to play the game, but he was non-existent today in one of the big games when you need him to show. And the yep. same performance, you look at how he performed for his nation, Argentina, to how he performed for Paris Saint-Germain today in one of the big games. you got to be pissed. You have all right to be upset being a Paris Saint-Germain fan. That's unacceptable. JJ, before you jump in here, is there a possibility that we don't see Messi play in the Champions League again and this might be his last season at Paris? I mean, I think that has to be, uh, you know, because PSG have some big decisions to make now. You know, the financial fair play issue is not going to go away. 
I mean, I think despite the fact that he was decent tonight, Ramos will be off. I don't see the interest really for PSG in keeping him on beyond the end of this season. Uh, you know, and, and Messi is the obvious other candidate as well. Let's not forget they've got Skriniar coming in. So somebody who's going to be at a good level, uh, you know, for the next couple of years and really provide a boost to that defense. Is that enough to, to change this PSG side? No, it's not. I, I think they probably need to get a little more radical now in terms of the players that, uh, you know, they look to, to start moving on from because it's not just about sort of what they're able to bring on the pitch or what they don't bring on the pitch in these big games. It's how effective mentally they are now. I mean, okay, he got really unlucky and being forced off injured, but how many times has Marquinhos been part of, you know, these massive exits in Europe now, Verratti too, you know, that's stuff that you really have to consider when you're trying to build a a successful squad and one that you want to go and, and win things. Ultimately, I don't think that means that PSG will move on from them, but it is something that needs to be considered. But, you know, the opportunity is there to move on from the likes of Messi and Ramos. And if PSG don't, then, you know, I think that's a big step backwards. You know, I think this now has to be the wake-up call. Uh, what Nigel was saying earlier about, uh, you know, potentially embracing the the talented young players coming through, I, I think it's something that PSG definitely needs to do. There's no guarantee that this next generation of players are going to be quite as good as the likes of Nkunku and Diaby, but those are guys who have had to leave PSG in order to burst through. If PSG can actually give guys like Zaya Emery, you know, a chance to, to prove themselves. Maybe they develop into that level of talent actually in Paris without having to leave. But, uh, you know, it would be a big, big call. Uh, and I think it needs some, you know, at least some medium term vision. You know, do PSG's owners now have that with the World Cup behind them? You know, it's it's a debatable point. And obviously with the injury to Neymar, it's going to be difficult to move him on as well. So, you know, there's a lot for PSG to, to chew over in the coming weeks as well. I think, and I'll keep it very quick, I think this could very well be the last time we see Messi in the Champions League, very much so in a PSG jersey. So much uncertainty about what happens with this contract not being signed yet. But I look at the body language, and there's losing a game and being upset, but he had the facial expression of someone who knew it was the end of something. Uh, great comment coming in from Vic right there. He said, JJ, before we let you go, can we offer you Obama Yang and Ziyech on the cheap? <laughs> I mean, you know, you know we, like we, we can laugh about it. Uh, and to be honest, I don't really understand the push to get Ziyech at the end of the January transfer window. But if PSG had him, uh, you know, I, I think he could have given them the kind of spark that they needed to at least pull a goal back. I think... The fact that Soler was on the bench and didn't come on at all, I don't even think he warmed up. And, you know, I think that speaks <laughs> volumes uh, about what Galtier feels about a lot of uh, the players that have been put at his disposal this season. Yeah, for sure. Hey, listen, great stuff, JJ. We appreciate you. We're going to let you go because we know you got a lot of work to do. Make sure everybody goes and follows JJ, off, obviously, of course, on his social media platforms, but also on CBS Sports' website and catch up with the great articles that are about to come out. Great comment just coming from Rocco Sage. He said, love me some PSG in Bayern, uh, but I cannot wait to talk about Milan. We'll wait no more, Rocco. <laughs> We've got a big announcement coming right now, and then we're talking about your Milan next. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, 
chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so there you have it. If you're watching the pregame show on the Champions League today, Kate Abdo was mentioning that there was great news for U.S. soccer-based soccer fans coming soon to a TV near you at a CBS Sports Galazzo Network, a first-of-its-kind 24-7 soccer network. Oh, yes, the network will feature a weekday morning show, news, live matches, highlights, and so much more for free. Tune in April 11th on CBS Sports app. Pluto TV, Paramount Plus. Oh, my word. 24-hour soccer. Yes, please. I feel like CBS Sports is changing the game, Michael LaHood. I feel like soccer in this country is ready for 24-hour soccer. Previously, before, we have seen it, but it's not necessarily succeeded because the demand wasn't there. But now, more than ever, I feel like the demand is there. People want soccer, and people are more knowledgeable at soccer than ever before. Yeah, and let's give a golf clap to the higher-ups for bringing this to fruition. I'm excited for it because I think this is the next iteration of what the game needs and what the game means. We've seen just the appetite for the game at the most recent FIFA World Cup. We got to work on it, which was an amazing experience through our pod and the network. And now to be able to have 24 hours, 24 hours of, say, maybe in the future, House of Champions, amongst other potential shows, and obviously the first show getting out of the gates, the morning show. I can't wait. And just one of the things about being a part of this network, that's a big bonus. Nigel, I know you love soccer. You live and breathe soccer. You played the game professionally. You love talking about the game. We love reading about the game. We live and breathe soccer. And to see soccer changing and development in this country now, where now obviously is your new home, it's great to see because U.S. soccer's fans out there they really want it more and more now than ever before they do um it's the world's biggest sport whether people like it or not i don't care what country i'm in what place i'm around the world i've been fortunate to travel around the world football is the world's biggest game and i know you call it soccer i call it football right i'm english so football is the world's biggest game geezer and it's it's always growing people love it i still feel obviously being over here now living over here and all that that there's still room to grow in educating people out the, about the game. And that's what I think I, I love to do is educating the game, analysing, because there are a lot of coaches and managers involved in the game over here that are living a great life without really actually educating these kids to be the best they can be. You know, And, and I think what we do as well, how we talk about it and point certain players out, you can see the difference. Well, 24-7 soccer is coming your way April 11th on CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount Plus 24-hour soccer, man. Give it to me. Oh, yes, baby. (laughs) All right, football. Let's get back into the Champions League, guys. You're watching House of Champions. It's Tottenham against AC Milan today. Michael Hood, it was a bit of a sleep fest. I'm not going to lie. Didn't watch this game as much as I was watching Paris Saint-Germain against Bayern Munich. Uh, but this one was job well done for Milan and their fans out there. They traveled in good support to London. Milan got the job done. Tottenham nowhere near at the races to even look like scoring a goal against this Milan side. Um, really big success for Milan to get it done over two ties. I think it's, what, the first time in 11 years that Milan back into the Champions League quarterfinals. And it it just feels right to have a a club like Milan at this stage and almost rekindling what was 
for soccer back in the early 2000s when Syria and a club like Milan were the dominant force in European soccer. But man, before I even hammer Tottenham, let's just put a pause on Tottenham. Let's stick with the positive about Milan. I thought it was a good tactical wrinkle to give the likes of Rafael Leal and Brahim Diaz a rest at the weekend. I know I was hard to them yesterday and even in the preview about how they played against Fiorentina. Hey, mm-hmm. these two players looked well rested. I don't think Tottenham Hotspurs had a clue what to do with a player like Brahim Diaz. James Benz had said it being there in person, watching it from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs look labored. They looked out of ideas. And at the end of the day, not deserving to go through to the next round. Mm-hmm. Nigel. Do I really have to talk about Tottenham Ian? I'm just going to break the game down for me. The performance by both teams today is exactly what I expected because if you look at both their domestic form, how they've been this season, they've been upside down. Both teams have been inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. They haven't exactly been flattering or or, or fantastic. I give credit to Milan. They got the job done. And we did discuss it. And I did say Milan over Tottenham because they were more in the ascendancy than Tottenham. Tottenham, again, like I've said, it's like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. I would go back to even say AC Milan's performance for me goes to a cultural aspect of the game. That is what you call a typical, traditional Italian performance. Hard to beat, dogged, make it difficult for you, play on the counter-attack. If we can get a goal, we'll be happy. But that was, for me, a traditional Italian team performance in that game. Tottenham, for me... They just look completely lost as a club right now. They're just all I, over the place. I don't know if I agree with you 100% there, Nigel. Mm. I think that Milan had their opportunities to score yeah, goals in this game and, and really yeah, probably but, should have scored goals in this game. They Yeah, but they didn't play like the front foot attacking as, we want, as you'd expect them to straight from the off. Like you sent me the article on Shachenko. They could have been a lot more aggressive, but they weren't. They were still conservative. But one thing about Italian teams is they're always very hard to beat and break down. And again, we're talking about a Tottenham team that does play a bit of a high line. They had their chances, but they didn't take their chances, Milan. But I think for yep. me, when I look at that overall performance, it just reminds me of what I know, what I came across when he was playing against typical Italian sides and the culture of their football and how they play. I'm very happy for Italian sides to be doing well in UEFA competition. Obviously, you can watch it on Paramount Plus as well with the Serie A crew. Um, but AC Milan getting this job done is great for them in my personal opinion, as champions of Italy, it's massively important for their season as well that they have some sort of success because it's been a bit of a roller coaster season. And as Michael pointed out, it has been 11 years since they've got to this stage in the competition. The last time they did do so, they knocked out Arsenal in the competition. So congratulations to them. But we must really touch upon the fact that Antonio Conte is really struggling in the Champions League, Michael. He hasn't made it to the quarterfinals since 2012-13 when he was back with Juventus. Um... Is he a problem for Spurs right now? Or what is the problem for Spurs? I think that Tottenham Hotspurs don't have a plan B. They're set up to play one way and one way only. I think it's a bit of stubbornness because the success Conte's had in Italy and previously coming to the Premier League and having the same sort of tactical philosophy under Chelsea. And we've seen that before. Jose Mourinho, no, not Italian, but a defensive-minded coach coming back into the Prem and saying, well, this is how I play and either you do it my way or it's the highway. The clock is ticking on Antonio Conte. If there was ever a time for Conte out hashtags to start creeping up, now is the time. But if they do not get top four, Arrivederci. Ciao, Antonio. He's back to Serie A and we'll be seeing him week in and week out on Paramount+. Plus.
It'll be US soccer boss in about three months' time, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah, Nigel. Any US soccer players won't know what's hit them if he gets to become manager, mate. <laughs> Is he a goner? Ready for the Conte, huh? Is he a goner? Honestly, I, I, I honestly don't know. You, you know, because you never know with Tottenham. Like, this is Tottenham that I've seen for such a long time for me. And I think Antonio Conte's ways are not bad, but it's just the players that he has. He had the right. players at Inter Milan and it worked. Right. It was successful. The Tottenham players that he has there don't work for him. And I think that when we, when we look at managers and we give credit to managers, there's always going to be a period where managers have those type of players and the players with the mentality to work mm. for the manager's benefit. It's not always that case when you go to different clubs. And that goes to talk about managers who are top-class managers who can adapt and change to the ever-changing game of football. Because you're not going to have the same players with the same mentalities, with the same attributes, with the same appetite for success. It's all different in different places. I feel Conte's style does work, but he has to have the right dressing room. He has to have the right style of players. And at Tottenham, for me, it just doesn't work. It's not working. They haven't performed or played a great game of football in a long time. And even from the start of the season, when we were getting results, we were giving them credit saying, they're not playing great, but they're getting results. And that's all people care about. That's all football yep. are caring. They're winning, they're getting their draws. Then when the results stop, drop, start dropping and not getting the results, the performances start going worse and worse. Then that's when the microscope gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, no doubt about it here. BX Gunner just mentioned, as you saw across your screen, St. Tottenham's day is fast approaching Del Boy zero. Conte didn't bring in good enough players. So it's a big question mark right there. Amy jumping in and saying Conte should pack up and leave tonight for good. Vic jumping in and saying end of the road for Conte. It is time to give Poch a call for Spurs. And then Ed, which is an interesting comment right here, saying that people need to finally accept that Spurs are not a no, big club. Ian. This is the history of the Tottenham. You know, E. Albro's comment, I think he yep. wants to leave. I yep. think that as well. I actually feel that because he said it a what while ago. What makes you think that though? What makes you think Ooh. that? Let's think he's he been made, in he hospital. He made comments before he had his operation yep. about family and friends. And obviously when Gianluca Vialli passed away and about going back to Italy, he made one or two comments. I feel he doesn't want to be there. He's not a man that stays at clubs for long. He's already made rumblings about being able to recruit and get players in. Tottenham are not going to give him money to spend to get the players in. He's just going to go. He knows what his value is. He knows what his stock is. He will always get another top job in Europe. He's not going to kill himself to stay at Tottenham. You're going to love this one, Nigel. Tottenham 0, Milan 0 has ended Spurs' run of 147 consecutive home games in all competitions without a goalless draw since a 0-0 against Swansea at Wembley in the Premier League in September 2017. That's five years and 173 days without a 0-0 game. Let's talk about Hyung min Song real quickly. Um, obviously, we discussed it yesterday on the show about him potentially being not as good uh, a player he previously was or maybe coming to the end of his top quality career. Uh, go through some of his stats on the game today. He touched the ball 38 times. He had one shot, which was blocked. Um, he is a player right now that you would say is maybe on the bubble, Mike, because Tottenham need to try and start to get better. And if Son's not producing this year, certainly from the get-go where he went through a long period without scoring, um, it's not looking good for him in his future at Spurs. No, it's not. And this is a player that they built the team around alongside Harry Kane. And it was really what last season, 
Was he tied for lead yeah. in Premier League for the Golden Boot? And now he he looks like a player that couldn't even – I wouldn't even put him in the starting 11 for Club Rouge. That's how bad he's been playing. No disrespect oh, that's, that's, to all the that's Bruges that's too fans harsh. out there. That's but he, he's been that bad. That, that's silly. That's silly. He's been that bad. He's Scott been that Barker bad. would have loved to have had him this week. I'll <laughs> yeah, tell you that much. I know. <laughs> I know. No, but, but the thing that I see from Son is everyone loves – whether you're Tottenham fans, maybe not an Arsenal fan, but – when he's playing with a smile on his face, that is a happy son. And a happy son, Yun Ming, is a good son. He has been sad face song. He's been coming off the bench at different times, rotating between he and Richarlson. I don't think, and I said it yesterday, he doesn't know how to be effective. I don't think this system that Conte has him in gets the best out of him. I would put him in a front two. When he's gotten his goals this season, it's been playing as a strike partner with Harry Kane in the 3-5-2. He hasn't been playing yeah. that regularly. Now, do you have anything to add on Son there, or can I turn my attention to Harry Kane? Um, Song needs to go. He needs to play higher up the pitch. The system and the style that Conte plays doesn't work to get the best out of Song. And right now, I see a player that's lacking a tremendous amount of confidence and belief in himself. And like you yep. said, there's a difference when you play with a smile on your face. I could tell you the times when I became too professional and things didn't work out for me on the football pitch. I'm not going to yeah. say what I used to do on the pod to get my to get my uh, my groove back, but I did a few things to get my groove back. Song needs to find his groove. But not I in the morning me, games, though, right? Surely not uh, in the morning of games. Not in the morning of games, but throughout the week before the games, yeah. So every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, I'm just going to tell yeah. you, I'm just going to tell you, one time that happened to me before a game, and mm. um, I, I probably lasted about 13 minutes before I was absolutely <laughs> gassed in the game. I thought, I'll never, ever do that again. I'm sure everybody out there can understand. Wait, it wasn't that. I don't know what you were doing. I was talking about something else for, like, my things happened in the nighttime. But it was I was talking about having a few beers. What were you talking oh, about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, that's oh. how I got my groove back. But anyway, oh. yeah. I, I, do you know what? I think now might be the right time for Song to go somewhere else and to kind of be the main man or be one of the oh, main men. On that note, Nigel, can I turn this uh, comment to you as well? Calm jumps and he says, it's a crazy crap that it's crazy the crap that Kane gets. Man can only do so much. In my opinion, he needs a new goal and a fresh start. So is that the same case? For you, for Harry Kane, he's at Tottenham. He's not Harry winning much. Silverware. Should he go somewhere else? Because I tell you right now, freaking hell, man, he would just absolutely love to play for Bayern Munich. I'm just going to throw it yeah, out. Yeah, I knew you were going to say. I've it. said it before, but for me, listen, any Tottenham fan, any real football fan with common sense, cannot be upset if Harry Kane leaves that club. He's been a loyal servant. He's the club <laughs> record goal scorer. He's done all he can to win. Tottenham haven't done well enough to put the pieces around him to make them successful. Being a Harry Kane and having a goal scorer clinical like that to score inside, outside the box, we've also been able to assist in goals. And you can't win championships and titles. And you look at some of the rivals you're competing against and how they're struggling for a goal scorer. You've got to yeah. be happy for him to go. He's got to go now. He needs a fresh start at another club where he's going to have the ability to win things and be successful. I think Bayern Munich will be a great fit for him, but the old English dinosaurs and English people would think, oh no, what's he going there for? It's only a one-team league, yeah? Well, look at what Bayern Munich are doing in Champions League football. So look at the league. For me, and the league as well. I, I think it's time for him for a change, but obviously I know there's interest for Manchester United and everyone there wants him to go to Manchester United. And I think yep. he can be a big difference maker there again at Manchester United also. Yeah, ML real quickly, 20 seconds, let's go. I think it's time for him to go. Get rid of Conte, Harry Kane. There's a club further up north. We're building something. If you want the League's Cup, we'll win that year in and Jesus year out. Christ. And then you get Manchester 7-0. 
Yeah, oh, you get Jesus. punk seven um, by Liverpool. Stick that in your pipe. All right. All right. <laughs> Oscar saying that Kane would be amazing at Real Madrid. Amy saying Kane has a sad face like son Bundesliga team for Kane would be pretty nice. Manchester United would be a better move because at Bayern, he would not be rated, says Del Boy and Kishwan jumping in and saying Kane to Chelsea. And then this is the last one. Del Boy says <laughs> Nigel Rio Poker. <laughs> What? Interesting, right there. I know oh, poker no. face after not not revealing. You saved oh, it for House of Champions yeah. after hours, huh? Uh, or poker if we face. make it onto the, club, make it onto the twenty four hour channel, <laughs> we'll be twenty four hours. Oh, we'll have a show at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Never mind that. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, uh, boys. We'll be right back. We'll have a quick turn our attention to the Europa League. House of Champions. We'll be back in just a quick second. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, don't miss a second of the action from the greatest club competition on earth. That is, of course, the Champions League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer, like Lionel Messi, <clears throat> out of the competition. <laughs> Karim Benzema, Victor Osman, and Erling Haaland as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the beautiful game. Stream every single match from the Champions League and Europa League live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month for free with the promo code ADVANCE, which, of course, Lionel Messi did not do. Oh, yes. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. Let's turn our attention to the Europa League. It is the round of 16 first leg matchups. Here's a quick reminder of all the schedules. Uh, Fixtures, should I say, Fenerbahce, Sevilla, Sporting Lisbon, Arsenal, Juventus, Freiburg, Leverkusen, Fenerbahce, Manchester United, Real Betis, Shakhtar, Donetsk, Feyenoord, Union Berlin against Union, someone else I can't pronounce, Roma versus Real Sociedad. Uh, Michael, come to you first on this one here. Um, As the fixtures continue to ring off here, Betis against Manchester United, your thoughts on the game? United need to react, right? It is the sort of game where they have no choice but to react. I'm sick and tired of seeing 7-Up cans, even on today's coverage. 7-Up cans. I'm pretty sure my neighbor left a 7-Up can in front of our house. And no better way to shut everyone up than reacting in a European competition. They did that against Barcelona to really create more believability of what this club and this team could do under Tin Hag. And they paid dividends in the League Cup final. They will need to have a professional performance of their lives against Betis because I think that could be a trap game for them. Betis are no sleepers. I mean, they got the draw against Madrid at the weekend. Their Mm -hmm. team, when they show up on their day, they do have players. Canales, Iglesias, they do have players who can catch you if you're not coming with the right stuff. Nigel, I'm sure you've been pumped 7-0 at least once in your career. How do you react to that if you're a Manchester United player? How do you react to that? Mate, you want the next game to come as quickly as possible. So they're lucky that they've got this European game because it it is horrible when you lose like that. And the fans and everything. Thank God we did it in the days without social media because if we did it in the days of social media, I probably would have been arrested and put in prison because I'm not the one. But... I've had that feeling before and it's horrible. You cannot wait for the next game to come. I'm telling you, like it's it's a very dark place if you really care about football and you really care about your own personal pride. So again, like Michael said, they're gonna want to have a re- they're gonna have to have a reaction because they know that everyone's gonna be watching this game. Even Sports if they're not a man united fan, they're gonna be watching to see. Oh yeah, we can't wait to watch this game just to see that type of reaction there. Sporting against Are we not Arsenal? talking about Arsenal? 
I just want to ask you right there. I was coming to you about Arsenal, and uh, it's a tough one for them because they're in Lisbon against Sporting. And um, after that high that they just experienced scoring a late goal, 97th minute against Bournemouth at the weekend, you would expect them to go in with confidence and win this game. But this is a tough one. It's a tough one. It's a very tough one. Again, it's the emotional roller coaster that they're going through, Ian, that we spoke about that how many times are they going to keep doing this now for this race for the Premier League title? They've still mm-hmm. got to play Man City again. They're still probably going to face some bumps in the road. And then now, obviously, it's going to be, what are you going to prioritise? Is it going to be the Premier League or is it going to be this European competition? So that's going to be very interesting. I personally don't feel that they've got the squad strong enough to truly rotate to compete on both fronts. And for me, if we're going to talk about Premier League Player of the Year, I'm going to say it out there with confidence, Saka's name better be in people's mouth because I'm hearing people talk about Casemiro, which has been sensational, making an impact just like Eric Canton. I know Saka's name better be in people's mouth because let me say this now. Saka's form has been sensational. And when he doesn't play for Arsenal, Arsenal is not the same team. There's a big difference. I know people will say, oh, you know, he's just like Phil Foden for, for Manchester City. No, he's not. Saka is the heartbeat of this Arsenal team. That is why most players kick the crap out of him every match that he plays. There's a difference. Foden plays in a system. Foden can be good at times for Manchester City. He's just found his form again. But for me, if people are not saying that Saka's name should be mentioned for player of the season right up to now for the Premier League, you don't know football. Ed says, sorry, Nigel. Haaland's going to win this one. He also says Saka will get young. And that's that, that's probably the way it's going to go, right? I mean, they're both very young players here. Yeah, but, okay. but you have a goal scorer who's no. probably going to break a record, Nigel. He's going to go very close. he's going to break a record. I'm not disputing that. But then if, man, if Arsenal win the league title, Saka should still have a right to be player of the season. Let's be real about that. Like I know we go so much into this whole goal scoring thing. But if you look at performances, we can't say... Haaland has performed amazing every single game. He scored goals, no problem. But for performances, week in, week out, Saka's been a beast and he was great in the World Cup as well, bar one game or so. He deserves to win it. If Arsenal win the the Premier League title, Saka for me is a player of the season. I'm not taking nothing away from Haaland because he's been sensational as well. But I'm talking about performances. Let's go back to football when it's about performances of what you see and not just stats. Well, let's not forget the season's not yet done as well, Nigel. So if you would imagine that Haaland does go on and break the record, but Arsenal clean up and win the Premier League and they rely on Saka to come up with some assists because I think he's got, what, nine assists, 10 goals already in the Prem this year. I mean, those statistics are, are not bad at all from a player who's not sitting oh, right in not. front of goal. He's got to do a lot of effort to actually get those types of assists, uh, statistics. So I'm really impressed with what he's done. Uh, we've got yeah. a few agreeing with you there as well. Lokeshi Rai saying, I agree with you, Nigel, on Shaka. Um, absolutely no doubt about it. Nigel always Speaking of truth, that one comes in from Oscar. And Luis Sa says that Saka so far. I agree with you there. Um, but then you have uh, Christian jumping in and saying Haaland has the most in the EPL. So obviously it is going to be very difficult because the goals talk at the end of the day, Nigel. No, 100%. But again, it, it, let's you think about this, Ian, though. Like I'm saying again, I understand about goals. But how many times have we been able to say Haaland was missing? How many times have there been converse, conversations where we say Man City need to get Haaland more involved in the game? How do we um, get him more involved in the game? You've never had that conversation about Saka. Saka's been performing consistently, scoring and creating and being the main key danger man for Arsenal. And if they win the Premier League title, I understand Haaland's going to break records. But if you're talking about the best player in the league, for me, Saka wins it. 
because mm-hmm. you've never had a conversation to say, oh, Saka's not performing or, you know, Arsenal are just as good without him. No, I, I understand that. But for me, again, it goes to this generation we're in, Ian, and you know it yourself, where it's gone mm-hmm. all of a sudden about goal scorers, goal scorers, yeah. goal scorers. And I'm mm-hmm. not a big fan of that because a defender can be as influential to a team, a goalkeeper can be as influential to a team, and so can a midfielder. And for mm-hmm. me, Saka has been fantastic throughout and no one blows his trumpet and I'm going to blow his trumpet because I'm hearing mm-hmm. names and discussions. He deserves it. I think it's a great shout there and I think it would be a great discussion by all of us here at House of Champions. If we get the whole crew together, we can have a roundtable real discussion about who except deserves James, it. Who should James. Get it. Uh, James will probably be in there as well. You know, he's got some controversial comments at times. Um, but I will say this though, it's a great discussion and there was also a great talking point from Thierry Henry on one of the Champions League pregame shows recently where he broke down Erling Haaland and how different he is as a goal scorer, how the runs he makes and what he demands as a goal scorer and also what he's not doing that he should start doing i thought that was absolutely phenomenal from Thierry, and i'm sure it's out there on social media especially on youtube if you want to go find it um real quickly nigel before we get to our final thoughts here i want to ask your uh, quick opinion on the europa conference league because west hammer in action against larnica they desperately need to get something going confidence wise right jesus christ I, I think for me if i was west ham i'll concentrate on the premier league because uh, we saw what that run did to them last year and premier league they're having a tough time and that bottom from the bottom of the Premier League to I believe like 12th place, there's only like maybe four, four or six points operating these teams. Like it's very tight, it's very dangerous. There's a lot at stake if they get relegated. I think their priority should be the Premier League. Uh, it, it's not looking good right then. And obviously, now there's some reports coming out about unrest in the dressing room. So mm-hmm. I, I worry for them. I really do. I think Moyes will probably change the team and put a weaker side. I can't see them prioritizing Europe. I think maybe you can get some confidence, though, if you actually get a victory against Larnaca. If you put three or four on the board, you bring that confidence back to the Premier League. Obviously, you've got big games coming up, but it is very compact, it's very tight. It's a different tight. animal. It's it a is a different completely. animal, Ian. <laughs> it is. And you see, you saw what happened to them as well last season with the European run. Yeah, it certainly cost them at the end of the day because they were pushing for a, a top European place, and and they really messed that up at the end of the day with that European run that they were having. So, uh, quick final thoughts on uh, Parker being released by Bruges. Um, obviously, in the Champions League, nowhere near good enough. Bruges and Parker finding himself out the door. Uh, correct decision. Obviously, he's been really struggling. Sixty-seven days he had in the job at Bruges. Um, it was obviously a, a risk going there, Nigel. But at the same time, you have to question how on earth he got that job. I don't have to question it. I know how he got that job. I see it all the time with uh, players that I played with previously and played against previously and how they keep getting jobs left, right and centre. And uh, players of ethnic minority and players that I know who have qualified, have all the licences, can't get uh, an interview for a job. So, you know, good luck to him. He had the job. I personally don't understand it. You know, for me, I, I was one of the different younger ones who actually played outside of England. You know, I wasn't scared to go abroad. And, you know, mm-hmm. I integrated a lot with foreign players and learned a lot about the game from different perspectives. And uh, for me, I didn't understand how he got the job. You know, he's never played outside of England. So for me, it's great he got the job. But obviously, I just don't think he was prepared enough to know enough about Belgian football and maybe whether it, if he could relate to that dressing room. And I think for mm-hmm. me, Managers in this day and age of football, Ian, and you know it yourself, with how the dressing room has changed so much now, you have to be a people's person. You have mm-hmm. to socialise with different cultures and different people to understand the different dynamics of players that you're going to deal with. 
That's mm-hmm. the big difference in the modern game of football management now. You you can't be the old school way. And I'm not saying Scott Parker is. No, but sure. A lot of it also is, regardless if you're an introvert, which I always remember Scott kind of being, he was very quiet, kept himself to himself, which is nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. you're still going to be into management and be a leader. You need to understand and talk to other people and have friends of other cultures and 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 and, and uh, different nationalities and different beliefs and stuff like that. That you have to manage them all together. Yeah, no doubt about it. Real quickly though, now since you've left, um, obviously professional soccer or professional sports in general, do you find politics bleeds into life as well? Now you're working in the media as well. I mean, what? politics pretty much is what? all over the place, right? Listen, uh, even in, even when I was a professional football player, you know, I wasn't your so-called typical football player. I read books and I loved philosophy and um, human behavior and, and, th- and therapy and all those type of books. For me, psychology, sorry, that's what I was looking for, psychology. Politics is everywhere, regardless whether people like it or not. In every industry, even being in the media industry, politics is everywhere. And you have mm-hmm. to learn that life is not checkers. It's mm-hmm. chess. And there's certain decisions that you make or there's certain positions you're going to put yourself in. And you've got to be comfortable to handle those positions and what comes with it. And I've seen it and I'll continue to see it. And um, again, you know, I, I would love to see football really try and reflect what we see on the pitch of mm-hmm. all different national it doesn't become now a thing where we talk about african players or you know black managers and we have to say the word black before managers that mm-hmm. that i just want football to reflect what we see on the pitch i'm tired of having to discuss lack of black managers lack of opportunity lack of black mm-hmm. faces in media and discussing football and showing that they know the game and can read the game and see what is happening and be able to give you into an understanding part of the game and it's just boring now for me. You know, you just want just the governing body to make more of an effort and the people just to really see footballers, footballers. That makes yep. no sense. Yeah, just talking too much now. <laughs> no, I listen, I appreciate it. Obviously, I love to get that passion out of you at times, uh, bring up the subjects that does get you going. And I think it's important to have these discussions regardless. And when we have a platform like this where there's no cutoff time and producer Des is saying, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Des is tired of my rant again. Des is like, yeah, not, well, let's go. I've nice. before. <laughs> All right, just a reminder to everybody out there, uh, we will be back on Thursday, 9 a.m. Eastern with Fabrizio Romano. The boys will be up there for it. I want to thank everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as video, so subscribe to us on YouTube. And for everybody out there, um, we actually kicked Michael LaHood out there because he had dodgy <laughs> internet. So that's why he disappeared. So if you're making your run and you're like, where's Michael LaHood? Now you know why his internet was dodgy. But myself and Nigel Rio Coker have paid our bills. We're good to go. We'll see you again Thursday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Love you guys. Cheers.